My extra special guest this week is Chris Kemp. He is the founder and owner of Ingenuity, one of the leading new business agencies in the country. They specialize in lead generation, new business events, pitch management, brand partnerships, PR and content. They work with the likes of Amazon.com, Aldi, Nestle, L'Oreal, Sky, Wilkinson and Coca-Cola, as well as agencies like Engine, Havas, McCann and BBH. If you are at all interested in anything to do with sales and new business, then this is the podcast for you. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Chris Kemp. Chris Kemp is the owner of Ingenuity, a new business consultancy for agencies and brands, specializing in lead generation, new business events, pitch management, brand partnerships, PR and content. Agency clients include BBH, McCann, Weber Chanwick, and they have also worked with a number of leading brands, including Sainsbury's, EE, Amazon, Nestle, L'Oreal, Sky, just go down the list of some of the biggest companies in the world. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Chris Kemp, welcome back to Agency Dealmasters. Thank you for having me, Nathan. I'm looking forward to chatting this morning. <laughs> Third time lucky. Uh, so you get your degree in business studies in 2002. Then you start working in insurance. You do a stint in recruitment, as any good salesperson should. But you always wanted to work in the sports industry. So how do you go from there to running what is now probably the premier new business agency in the country? Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's... Uh... It's interesting, isn't it? I suppose everyone starts their career. I was talking to a graduate only a couple of days ago who were, who had uh, obviously recently graduated about you know what they're looking to do and giving them some advice. I think when you come out of university, hopefully it's a bit different now, but you sometimes don't really know what direction to take. Um, and probably like a lot of people, I kind of like the idea of working in sport. So I managed to to get an opportunity to work in a, an agency, a kind of a sports sports marketing agency, essentially. I did a lot of activation of big campaigns with people like Vodafone. So, yes, I I managed to um, get a role there and did that for a period of time, but then had, a, a, I suppose, a good break in that I understood about, uh, got an opportunity to meet someone that was running a a lead generation company, a company called Catapult. And I think I probably also, by that point, had realised the world of sport, while it was, you know, incredibly enjoyable. It was also quite uh, incestuous. Um, mm. Some of that has changed a lot now, fortunately, but it was also quite, um, actually, I was, you know, wasn't overwhelmed with how a lot of the industry was, but also in terms of um, maybe the role of account management in terms of running accounts day to day wasn't so much for me, but the passion of selling and talking to people and helping their business grows was, grow, was something that was really interesting to me. So, yeah, so I, took, I, I moved across from, from working in, in an agency into uh, working for a company called Catapult. And I suppose Catapult was a, yeah, a new business consultancy. And off the back of being in Catapult, I had an opportunity to, to set up Ingenuity. And that was, I guess, 15 years ago. So I was quite fortunate, really, in, in a lot of that, the right time, right place kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, having had a couple of years of experience with Catapult, I, was, um, I took Ingenuity and... Uh, the rest is history, as they you know, say. Went about, went about, yeah, trying to grow, grow a business, really, uh, from, I suppose, relatively naive at that stage, uh, but 
in some ways probably a lot easier to do it at 25 than it would be to do it at 35 or 40 because sure you know there's you don't have responsibilities and you're kind of you're you're learning on the job a lot more and you know I meet a lot of people now that run content agencies and social agencies in their early 20s and I find it really inspiring to be honest Mm. um and I kind of um, you know you can see the ones that are going to be really successful who are really driven but smart but also you know understand what they're trying to build and I think more importantly than ever understand that you need to take people with you to to build to build that business. Mm. So uh, so yeah, so that's where we kind of started off, Nathan. Really interesting. So I understand you're celebrating your fifteenth year um, anniversary of uh, of Ingenuity. Was it last month or relatively recently? Uh, it was a couple of months ago. Now it's mid- middle of the summer. Okay. So so how do you reflect on the last fifteen years now of the growth of Ingenuity? I mean, we'll come on to talk about the company in a bit more detail, but. After 15 years, I mean, you started it at 25, 26, around that sort of age. 15 years later, you're working with some of the biggest brands in the world, some of the biggest agencies in the world. Phenomenal success, as we said, the leading premier new business agency in the country. How do you reflect on your success after 15 years? Well, I mean, it, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think you know, uh, I mean, I think we have been reasonably successful. I think we've still got a lot more to do, to be honest. But, you know, I... I it goes without saying, really, I suppose the last nine months have been without doubt the hardest of the time that I've been running What's it, really. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> something, we all, can we all forget about it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, actually, you know, it, it, I think the business achievement really actually in some ways has been the last nine months to have a really resilient business and a great reputation and really great clients and, you know, great colleagues that we've been able to pull through this and you know, come out the other side stronger. It's a bit of a cliche, but I think we're in such a great position now. And as the world kind of hopefully opens up and brands start to spend more, you know, we're in a really, really good place to move forward. But I think really that, you know, someone said to me yesterday, actually, as someone I'd worked with for years who got off and set up another agency, having sold his agency and been very successful, he kind of said, I knew you guys would be fine because you've always been brilliant at innovating. You know, you've always kind of tried to stay ahead of the curve. And Mm. so I think, I don't think there's been like one thing over the last 15 years to say, oh, that was the most amazing, amazing thing. It's just been, I think we've continued to evolve our business. And again, it's a bit cheesy, but, you know, the kind of clues in the name a bit. And we really believe that you've got to keep trying new things and you've got to keep innovating and you can't just sit still and you've got to try, you know, new methods. And, you know, I think what I've loved about the last nine or 10 months is, is that a lot of the things that we've always talked about, we've been able to do a lot more of. So we have been more, dare I say, integrated in our approach. Uh, you know, we've got closer to brands than we've ever got. We've tried new things. You know, we've worked obviously remotely like everyone has, but that's worked incredibly well. And, you know, so I think I think the success really is about being, you know, a business that is is all about innovation and is about evolving and, and not standing still. And I think the moment you stand still, you kind of, you're going to get bored and you're going to get overtaken by your competitors. And, you know, yeah. I think a lot of our competitors, we're fortunate we compete with lots of different people in lots of different areas, but a lot of people, I suppose, copy would be too strong an thing to say, but they, you know, they, they try and emulate what we're doing, which is great. It's a real nice compliment. So, great compliment. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but no, it's been, uh, it's been great, but as I say, there's uh, lots more to do. And I think, again, the last nine months makes you realize that more than ever, really, in terms of, uh, you know, if you enjoy what you're doing, you'll take a lot of pleasure out of continuing to do it and to try and change it and grow it and move it forward. So let's talk a little bit about ingenuity in a bit more detail. Um, For agencies, you help them find, meet and win new clients through content and insight. 
lead generation, PR and bespoke events for brands. You help them actually discover, meet and work with the perfect agencies, right? To help them grow their businesses. And you've, you've always had an events team. You also have an events team as well, which obviously uh, is, is slightly different now in these challenging COVID times that brings both brands and events together at sort of uh, speed networking events. Tell us what are brands looking for when they're looking to work with a new agency partner today? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, it's a really, it's a really good question. And it's quite, <laughs> I'll try and give you the short version. I think the kind of clues in the question a little bit, though, is, is they are generally looking for a partner. And I think, you know, I think more so than ever in these times is that you want someone that you feel you can really work closely with. Um, and that, that's why the whole importance of chemistry is so fundamental. And that's why we get, I guess we do what we do because you can build that chemistry and build that relationship pre the pitch and hopefully be in a good position to work with someone. But I think there are a couple of, couple of points to that question. I think fundamentally you, you do want to work with a partner. And I think we've, we've seen that actually over the, again, over the last nine months, so many agencies have been brilliant with their clients. Some of, you know, I hear amazing stories from, you know, brands about how their agencies have adapted in these times. Um, and you hear great stuff from agencies about how they've, their clients have really opened up to them and they've been a lot, it, relationships just grown and grown and they really kind of blossomed. I, I think what they, if you look at when we set this out 15 years ago, it used to be so discipline focused. You'd have, we want an ad agency, we want a media business, we want a PR business, you know, and you'd have the kind of core discipline, CRM, and then digital started to come into the mix in terms of people just build websites essentially. Obviously, all of that has changed. I mean, you still, I still think agencies are rooted in a discipline. So they come from advertising or they come from PR. Mm. But really, I suppose what's so exciting now is, is that brands, a lot of brands are looking for different things and it's changing. You know, you're getting all sorts of different briefs. You know, I had a brief uh, only a couple of weeks ago that was very particular in an area where they had a really good activation agency. And they were happy that activation agency, but they just wanted something different for a certain campaign that was related to something related baked in CSR essentially. Mm. And and so that people are just looking for different types of things. And I think, you know, when you compare two PR agencies from 10 years ago that were quite similar, now they might be quite different. One might be a lot more socially aligned. Mine might really understand performance marketing. You know, one might actually be a brilliant content agency. If you look at a lot of agencies now in terms of ad agencies, but are really strong in the earned space, that's fundamentally what PR was. So it, the world, I think, is just changing. And I think that's really exciting for brands. But it's also quite difficult for brands because I think it means that the landscape is harder for them to navigate than ever before. Mm. And every agency would say they can do everything. You know, if you saw that Burberry ad the other day, it's fantastic. Mm. That's done by a production company, right? Mm. So you've got on one side, everyone, you know, the same day Adam and Eve's come, Adam and Eve's come out with their Christmas ad. Brilliant, great, you know, fine. Um, and something you go, you know, lovely piece of creative. But that's been done by an agency, proper strategic process. And then there's a, the Burberry side, which is done by production business. Now, I'm not saying one's right and one's wrong. I mean, it's just really interesting about how you get to that creative product, how people are now going about, about things in a different way. Not to mention, obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, the whole kind of in-housing point and people doing stuff in-house as well. So I think going back to the, the, the original question, I think people are looking for, um, you know, when a, when a brand sets out on that journey to find they might not even set out to find an agency. It's sure. more about sometimes agencies just coming to them who can be different. And in the old days, they'd say, well, I've got a roster. I can't work with you. You know, we're set with our ad agency. They come up with all the big ideas and everything flows down from there. It's not like that anymore. And I think, you know, I think that's a really exciting thing and a good thing for agencies. So in a world that is so splintered and brands are looking for 
so many different things and they have so many different challenges and problems. What's the best setup for an agency today? Is it to have an integrated agency where you've got all these services under under one roof and you can be all, all things to to your client? Or is it best to be the specialist agency, as you said, that is really good at that CSR problem solving issue or, you know, creating amazing production ads for Christmas, for instance? Yeah. You know, what it, what, you know what's the best setup for agencies today? Well, I, I don't, there isn't a best. The, the honest truth is that everyone has to, you've got to look at your capabilities and your business and make a decision what's right for you. You know, we always say that integration is a destination, not a start point. So you don't start unless you're, you know, VCCP or even at a WPP level or an Omnicom level. You can't, integration at that scale is a conversation that's probably been had in boardrooms about, you know, putting together a kind of almost unique partnership. But I think fundamentally, a lot of agencies are integrated because the type of work they're doing for clients will manifest in lots of different channels. Whereas there are certain agencies that are really, really good in one particular area. So we have an agency who, you know, particularly strong in kind of talking just to the student market. Now, that's not right or wrong. It's just that they've got a niche there and they've, they've started with a clear positioning. In some ways, they're easier to sell because they are what they are. But I, I don't think it's about, you know, you shouldn't be ashamed to be integrated. But if you are integrated, you need to make sure that you're, you're easy to buy and you're clear about where you're really, really strong. So you might be integrated, but you're from more of a PR background. You might be integrated, but you've got brilliant experience in CSR, for example. Or you might be absolutely fantastic when it comes to talking to FMCG brands, or you've got lots of great case studies of helping, you know, uh, direct-to-consumer brands grow. So I don't think it's about being, it's not, there's not a right or wrong. I think what you just have to do is you have to have clarity about what you're selling and you have to be relevant for your audience. And that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I think what we have seen in COVID and, and in general is there is a huge role for the specialists. There is a huge role for, you know, agencies that are particularly strong in one area um, that, that can be really, really focused. But I think in general, a lot of creative communications businesses are more ed- integrated than they've ever been. But they will really, I suppose they will come from somewhere and they will have some, they need to have some identity where people can represent where they're from. So that, and that helps start the conversation. The outputs might be integrated, but normally the conversation might start within a certain area. Let's talk a little bit about agency new business. That's the number one question that's on every agency's uh, lips. And I'm sure when they're coming to you, that's what they, uh, that's the problem they want you to solve. There are so many different ways that agencies approach this all the way from, you know, doing great work and and letting clients talk about you and entering awards and hiring new business people and working with external resources like yourselves to um, help help them, uh, you know, get in front of the right brands. Is there a good mix in your mind? What should agencies be doing? What should the mix be? Or is there one killer app to, to solve it all? Yeah, I, I think... The honest truth is, is that I think your start point needs to be you need to look at what you've already got, because I think you've got, you know, certain agencies have built brilliant in-house teams and they've got a bit of a machine running and they're really good at it. You know, kind of, you know, they've they understand the, the discipline of new business and they understand the right mix of channels. Now, there's so many factors to take into consideration here. It's obviously people's budget is a big one, the size of the agency. But I think the mo- I think the most important thing is you've got to start with like who out there wants to talk, you know, should be talking to you. What are the brands that we're looking to try and target? 
and you have to also work out where you're from and you um in terms of kind of you know the background of the agency is it part of a network is it independent you know is the leadership a, a leadership that's really well networked and going out and meeting people and, and has got a really strong opinion mm. so you've got to take all these kind of big things into into consideration and then you've just got to work out your channel strategy it's like any marketing strategy you've got to work out your channel channel strategy that's right for you and your assets so a lot of ad agencies historically didn't do much lead generation for example but they relied massively on you know pr word of mouth you know and most agencies you talk to their main source of new business is kind of word of mouth and recommendation which mm. which makes complete sense but i think for me it's is that as an agency you've got to you've got to look at what the right channels are but the start point has to be content you have to start you know with really good content and good thought leadership and if you look at a lot of agencies like McCann for example they will have their truth series that's really clever because it gives them something that they can start a conversation with mm. so it could be the truth about youth the truth about drinks the truth about you know Britain they do every year and that then gives them a start point to work out what channels they use so off the back of it it's clear what they can do from a social point of view they can do events around that they can do lead generation so they've got a kind of proper channel mix. Mm. And I think it's really, you know, and I'm finding this more and more, really. I mean, I think a lot of agencies, you know, we have a PR function, for example, and I love what the guys do in PR. And I think it, particularly over the last nine months, there's so much around kind of profile raising. Mm. But I think ad agencies for a long time have been quite lazy about PR in the sense that they've, 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 they've put quite a lot of money into PR in terms of, you know, pushing it into certain publications. And, you know, they, they kind of see that they're out there being, you know, I suppose getting column inches, but are they the right column inches in the right places where brands are reading? Are they going to help them find their next level of talent that's coming through the business? Are they going to really help kind of change the conversation? Are they using that, I suppose, earned media in bought channels and owned channels? And I think actually agencies are a lot, some of them are brilliant at it, but a lot of agencies are so behind the curve in marketing themselves, mm. which is reasonably ironic given what they do. Sure. I suppose it's, I suppose it's also very fortunate for us. It means we have a business, sure. but, but, but kind of joking aside is I think you just have to, you have to, you have to agree a plan and you've also got to stick to that plan, Nathan. I mean, mm. I think, you know, if I look at the agencies we work with over the years, the ones that we've been the most successful with is, is we've, we probably, they probably done more things with us across the mix, but they've also they've been patient. They stuck with it. New business is it doesn't happen overnight. You know, you're not going to win. You know, you're not going to get into Unilever overnight. You're not going to get that opportunity with Nike straight away. You might, but it normally takes time. Um, and you've got to make sure that, therefore, if you're using a multiple of different channels, that you can start to work out which channels are right for you. And if you start finding, you know, certain agencies you'll talk to say they spend loads within performance marketing and it works for them. Brilliant. Keep doing it. Mm. Keep doing it. Don't don't spend more on other areas that you don't need to, but find out what works for you. But keep evolving. It would be my advice. Ryan Hall sold his agency to Karamarama and then they were bought by Accenture. And, um, you know, he they built an amazing app development business and sold it for, you know, did really, really yeah, well. Nice. Yeah. He's got this concept called slow selling, which is, you know, to your point around creating content, being useful, but doing it over a long period of time. You're not going to call a client one day and then you know then they decide to leave their current agency and turn to you entirely his whole approach is about slow adding value creating content nurturing people over a long period of time and ultimately that's what helped him win a really big account I can't remember what, what the what the account was now but it was a game-changing piece of you know piece of work but it happened over 
a year, two years, you know, something like that. So uh, really interesting. Yeah. Um, let's talk about those speed dating events that you uh, that you do with your clients. Really, you know, really fascinating environments that you that you set up. Um, what are clients looking for from agencies when they engage in those environments? What can agencies do to set them up themselves up for success when they are doing those sort of speed dating events? Yeah, I mean, I suppose to give people an understanding how they work if they haven't come across them, it's just that uh, I suppose if you just take them at face value of speed dating, that could all sound a bit strange. But essentially, they're a, we, we theme them to an area. Um, so we make them about, I don't know, we did a performance marketing one last week. We did a youth marketing one a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've got a, a procurement one coming up actually in December. So what we do is we pick subject areas. And then I guess we, we typically in the, the pre-COVID world, we'd hire out Stamford Bridge and we'd take 30 corporate hospitality boxes and we'd have two events running simultaneously. Now we're doing them virtually and actually they're working incredibly well. Mm-hmm. So rather than one afternoon, it's over two days. But I think, you know, I think the fundamentals of where, why they, to start with, why do those brands come along to those days? Well, I think, you know, the process, they get to meet a lot of people in a short space of time. I think probably 30 to 40 percent of brands uh, come are coming because they've got a brief and they've got something they need answering. You know, probably another 30 or 40 percent are definitely interested. And then there's some there that are just there to kind of see, mm. you know, what's out there in the moment, what's happening. And so therefore, with that in mind, to answer your question, I think what the, what the agencies have to do is, is they first, first and foremost, they have to read the brief of what the brand are looking for. You'd be amazed important? how many don't, don't, don't do that. They just go in and say, oh, Farron Ball, we love Farron Ball. What a great brand. You know, you could try this. Really? Or, they, or, you know, well, they present a creative idea without really any insight. Sure. But the ones that do it really, really well is they get to the point of who they are quite quickly, but they talk about them. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's kind of, it's not rocket science, is it? If you've got a period of time, you want to be demonstrating your value to the client about an insight and an understanding about their business and their customer base. It's really the, the kind of the, the fundamentals really. Um, but you know, they also, they, 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 they put their best people up in the room and not just their best people in the room, they put the right people in the room. So, you know, these sessions are all about chemistry. And when I came up with the idea, it was just obviously people by people. Why don't we just do more of this to get people in front of people to see actually, do I want to work with these guys? Because agencies are very similar at the end of the day. You know, they people move around a lot in agencies. People have different propositions, but essentially they're all producing very you know similar outputs. Mm. And so, you know, by picking a partner in that world is you kind of you've got to buy into the people and you've got to buy into the culture and the structure. So what those days for me are about is about giving them a chance to meet those people that not only run the business, but are integral to the business. And I think more and more you see it's a great opportunity for younger talent in the business to come through. And I think clients are looking for more of that as well, not just the the dream pitch team that comes along and woos them. It's the people that are going to deliver for them. So so for me, it's it's about um, it's very much about, you know, the agencies that do it the best way. They listen, they're prepared and they follow up. That is also the, I mean, back to Ryan's point is that. I mean, it's a slightly different point Ryan was making, but the fundamental of new business is you're not you're not going to win it in that 15 minutes. Mm. You might lose it, mm. but you're not going to win it. And so you've you're, got to make sure that you follow up with the right way. You've got to be in, insightful. You've got to be realise that there's other stakeholders you need to talk to and communicate with. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's um, it, it's a process. Um, and, and those, you know, those events are great for that because it also and again, back to your earlier point about finding the right channel mix. Some of those agencies, it's not right for. Because actually, their 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 cell is too complex, or they haven't got the right people to articulate the message in the shorter space of time, 
And that's not wrong. It's not anyone's fault. It's just reality. So for me, it's about, you know, it's about really understanding the client's challenge and, um, and being relevant again. Mm, really interesting. Tim Douse, the uh, founder of Inferno, a really good friend of yours, I know, and serial founder Felix Velardi, they talk about the importance of acknowledging the pressure and career risk uh, of the brand decision maker when they're choosing an agency. Because for them, it's about not looking stupid, not making the wrong decision that can ultimately put their head on the chopping block. How much of a factor is that when agencies are looking to uh, pitch? How much can agencies do to sort of reduce that fear of uncertainty? Um, What have you seen work in your experience? And is that true, that point? I think it used to be true. I don't think it's as true anymore. Because I think... You know, if you look even in the last 24 hours, the amount of integration going on on networks, the changes, the consolidation, I think, you know, the old phrase, you know, get fired for hiring IBM it isn't ringing through so more. In the creative industry, in ad agencies, you know, there's obviously still brilliant agencies out there, fantastic businesses, but it's not the same as it used to be of, I'll go with Adam and Eve and I'm guaranteed for success versus, you know, going with a, a creature or an uncommon or someone, you know, it's, I just, I don't think it's like that anymore. Mm. Um, I think what is crucial though, and, and you know, Tim will know this better than anyone because he had, he built Inferno with, with Fraser by, and they built brilliant relationships, you know, they built relationships with people over a long, long period of time. So when that pitch came up, they kind of, you know, you don't win things like Nokia yeah. and BMW overnight. Yeah. You, when he was in that pitch and he was pitching against, you know, if they're pitching against WCRS, who had the account for all those years and did such an amazing job for BMW, they would have had to have done something quite special, but they would have had to have already had a relationship with the client. So for me, if you are a smaller agency and there is that risk of, um, you know, you, you obviously are going to have a, it's the client's going to have to be a, a bit, it's going to have to be brave essentially to say I'm going with this agency but I think I think that 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 is built by a long term of, of of talking to the right people there, but also not just talking to the CMO or the marketing director. A- any agency now, the procurement, procurement will be heavily involved in that process. And actually, we find with procurement, if they you've met them early on and then they're in the pitch, they quite like the fact that they know that agency that's a that's up and coming, that's winning lots of rewards, that's edgy, that's different, and they feel actually, oh, you know, I've known these guys as well. So mm. I think I think the simple thing is is, is that it's it's not about you know I don't think it is so much that anymore, but it is still about the fundamental that if you are independent or smaller or you know you have to build a relationship with clients, you've got to put more into that relationship. You're not it's not going to walk through the door in the same way as it might do to a more established agency mm. uh, who have got already certain relationships with them and had, had, um, you know, have got that reputation to kind of get straight to straight through to the pitch, essentially. Let's talk a little bit about COVID-19 and the situation that we're all in. For a business like yours that relies a lot on events and does a lot of events in the real world, I would have assumed that COVID-19 would have affected the business quite a lot. How have you guys responded? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's been a tough old year. I think it's been a tough year for majority of any uh, businesses in the kind of creative service space for obvious reasons um i mean our, our team have been absolutely fantastic you know i think you've really there's certain people that have really stepped up you know i kind of think this brings the best and worst out of people um internally and externally um 95 of the people we work with have been fantastic partners um you know and i think a lot of people have responded really well to kind of you know a, a really tricky time 
I think as a business, it, we had to change quickly like everyone did. You know, those those days in back in March and early April felt each day felt like a week and a week felt like a month, if I'm being honest. Um, but, you know, everyone was brilliant. And I think we 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 changed a lot of things. We stopped our events for obvious reasons, but we bought them back virtually in September. Uh, we built a brand team talking more and more to brands. We did a lot of brand interviews. We worked closely with people like Isbar and our partners at the PRCA. Um, and, you know, we just we encouraged our brands to write more content, to, you know, do webinars, to, you know, really invest in their marketing. Um, and, you know, uh, we've responded really well as a business. I think we've come out the other side where we're now running lots of pitches. We, we've built good relationships with people. Uh, the agencies, a lot of agencies are now really starting to spend again when it comes to new business activity. Uh, and it, I suppose it's it's allowed us really to kind of think, right, what does the next couple of years now look like? So, you know, I, I wouldn't have chosen to have this time, but I'm kind of pleased we have in some ways because it's really allowed us as a business to reflect on what we are. Uh, I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to getting back into the office again. But yeah. uh, and we did do that for the summer months. But um, but no, it's yeah, it's it's obviously been tough, but it's it's been a great life lesson in lots of ways. And I kind of feel that any business that can get through the last eight, nine months is, is going to set themselves up really well for the next 10 years. What's been your greatest reflection or learning over the last nine months about the pandemic and how you responded and how clients responded? What, what's been your main takeaway? I, I think, I think that the takeaway, I suppose, looking, looking over it is, is that, you know, it's an obvious thing to say, but kind of no one knew the answers and, you know, when it first happened, you always meet people in life, don't you? They think they know everything and they know the answer to everything. And I kind of get saying to everyone, no one knows the answers. No one knows how it's going to unfold, how long it's going to take, you know, what the process is going to be. And so I suppose the, my greatest learning is just that you have to keep learning. You can't just sit still and say, I'm going to just ride this out. I'm going to do this or do that. And, and you have to make big decisions every day or every week. But you also got to trust people. You know, you've got to kind of trust people and empower people. And, I, and I've been probably from my point of view, I did more of that than I've ever done. You know, I kind yeah. of, you know, I had, it, had my main team every single morning at 8.15 talking to them for the, in the first two months, literally for an hour every morning from 8 till 9, wow. actually. And they, and it was brilliant. But the bond that we got and the ideas that we got and, the, and I suppose the camaraderie we built, because we were all in there together, and actually it was, re- it was brilliant. It was really, and I think then that leveled down to, the most junior person in the team through to the most senior people to the team. So you know, I think the biggest learning is, is that, you know, again, a bit of a cliche, but you can't, you can't underestimate company culture, you know? And I think that, you know, you're relying a lot of people now to work out their bedrooms. You're working for people to be really self-motivated. Uh, and if you don't have a culture going into that, that you would have failed. And if you do have a culture and you had, you kind of support people, then you'll be successful. So I think my biggest thing was, is that you can't just sit still. You've got to keep learning. You can't bury your head in the sand and, uh, and you've got to communicate with your clients and your people more than ever, you know, both, both those two, you know, and you've got to be as honest as you can be, because as I said, no one can sit there and say categorically, this is what's going to happen in the next two months. Cause no one knew. Mm. Uh, so I think communication, uh, honesty and and you know support was really the big things for me that came out of that and and it's important that businesses don't lose that moving forward just when starts things start to get a bit easier again we said at the top of the show that ingenuity is probably the leading new business agency in the uk in the country 
what do I think you, I think you said that Nathan, I not said me. That. So I, well, yeah, okay, it'd be, I'll say be it. wrong of me to say it's, yeah, to say it's, that. It's that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's our show. We can we can say what we want. Um, so let's. I'm, I'm going to put it out there and, and say that that is the case, or at least you know very much at the top of the tree. What do you think makes Ingenuity different, special, stand out? What's your secret sauce, as it were? What's your superpower? <laughs> Well, I, know, I think there are lots of great companies out in the space that we're in. And we're also, we're in many spaces because we run lots of pitches. We do events, you know, we, we, we do, you know, lead gen content, social PR for agencies. Uh, and I think any of those businesses are in that space. It, it's tough. So, you know, there's lots of great companies doing that. And I admire all of them that, that, that do that. But I think, I think where we're really fortunate is, is, you know, we we it's taken it's taken us a long time, but we because of our events division, we've built great relationships with brands, and and that's so exciting because we see what brands are doing, what they're talking about, what their challenges are, and I think now in a world where you've got more startups and you know you look at someone like the Hut Group, them listing back in the end of the summer, you know what they've done as a business in that short period of time is absolutely incredible. But that to me is kind of reflective about how the world is changing and and, and new brands evolving. And I think that's where we, we, we're lucky is that we do we work with so many brands and agencies. And I think if you're just, you know, in one area, it can be a bit harder. Uh, so I think for us, we're fortunate that we've got that, uh, I suppose, perspective on the landscape and an understanding about where the market's going. Uh, but that doesn't happen overnight. That's taken us 15 years mm-hmm. to do. So it's taken us a long time to build that up. So, you know, I think the, the best thing we have really is perspective of the market and how that's changing and access to brilliant people that can help us inform that really um so you know <laughs> i guess the main thing then is it's also then just just hard work and they yeah. continue to try and evolve the business and yeah. so really so i know i've only got you for a few more minutes chris so let's get into everyone's favorite questions there are a million questions i didn't get a chance to ask you so we're gonna have to get you back on the show um at some point in the future um but let's get into our favorite questions tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience? Yeah, I mean, I suppose, I guess in a, in a business context, you know, ingenuity, we, we were going for, I don't know, four or five years and we kept turning up in meetings and there were PR agencies there. And, you know, if I'm being completely honest, it really frustrated me that a lot of times the strategy would be come from the PR agency. And I couldn't always get my head around that. I was thinking they don't really talk to brands. They're talking to journos and they're talking to other agencies. And but we, you know, if you, if you can't beat them, we've got to, we've got to be in this space. So I created a, you know, a PR business um, called Acuity. And I think in a funny way, what we did with that was just that we ended up doing, we ended up almost becoming quite similar to the other PR agencies. And so I did that for two or three years and I bought that back in house um, under Ingenuity just as our kind of, you know, I suppose our earned media now bought and owned offering um, to clients. And I think, you know, I, I guess what I did was is that I kind of, I suppose the failing was, was that I tried to create something different and ended up basically doing something similar to someone else. And actually, when we then bought it back to be part of Ingenuity, it was then different again because it was part of an integrated thing that no one else had. Mm. And so the learning then was is that actually, you know, you've got to trust your convictions on that. And I kind of rightly or wrongly listened to people around me who felt that was a better way of doing it. And it didn't have the culture and it didn't have it felt like a different company. Um, and it was obvious it would that would happen because it was a different name and it was slightly set up in a different way and mm. different stakeholders. So I think. You know, I, I learned from that that actually, 
you know, for for us, it's you know, the power of one of ingenuity was a better thing than trying to create other businesses. But also, if you're trying to set something up to be different, don't then follow the crowd. You know, have have power in your convictions, convictions. really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Really and uh, you know, that was a good learning for me, really. Um, you know, I think also things, you know, other things that we've done where we got wrong is we have tried to be like other people and then thought that's not us. Mm. And, and then we've gone back and done things our way. Like our intermediary type model is different, you know, and it's not for everyone, but I believe it's, I believe it's the best way of doing it for us. Mm. You know, it's not that the, the other companies that do it is wrong. There are brilliant businesses out there doing that. But, but, but for us, I believe that's the right way. So yeah, power in your conviction, Nathan, really, you've got to back yourself. I think if you, if you believe in something, you've got to say, you've got to change on the way, right? Cause you've got to get stuff wrong, but you kind of, you know, you've got to you know, uh, have the belief that what you're doing is right. Uh, but then I see it through or have the, you know, have the, I suppose, the understanding to change something as well. Great answer. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, the mentors question. I, I know that Tim Douse is a big friend of yours um, and has, uh, has, has been around in your life for some time. But who are your other early mentors? Who else? shape the way you think about business, the way you think about sales, the way you think about agency growth. Tell us about some of your favorite mentors. Yeah, I, I suppose I've kind of never been, you know, set out and had kind of mentors that I've worked with. Uh, I've, I've got lots of people that I've worked with over the years that have been really helpful. I mean, if I'm being honest, most of them have been clients where I've just built such a great relationship and they've really helped me. Mm. Um, you know, I've had Phil Jones for a non-exec for a long time. He's kind of as an advisor mm. uh, for a longer time. And Phil's been brilliant and he's, you know, a great guy, great networker. And he's been really good to kind of you know, chuck ideas around with and he's been a really good support and is fundamentally a, a lovely human being as well, which I think always helps. Mm. Um, there's a couple of other people we use it, we work with at the moment have been helpful. But I think clients that I've worked with over the years, you know, people like like Tim and, you know, there's lots of people out there that, you know, James Clifton, who runs Mission, who's, you know, always a really kind of good sounding board on, on things. And, you know, there's lot, lots of people I think that I've built relationships over the years, uh, you know, Jamie Matthews at Initials. There's loads of people like that that, you know, I can kind of talk to about what their business is doing and my business is doing. And I think that's really important for any kind of business owner is to have maybe not so much mentors it's just about having a, a network that you can kind of talk through ideas and share and uh because it can be quite lonely when you're running a business mm. and it's just good to have people around that you can kind of share those share those thoughts with really um so yeah i've been i think i've been fortunate in having people around to to talk to and i suppose you know even friends that have been run running their own businesses in completely different areas so it's just useful to kind of share thoughts and understand and and ideas with them as well mm. The books question. Tell us about some of your favorite books. What do you read for personal and professional development? Which books have been useful in shaping the way you think about business and leadership? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm really dyslexic, so my, I don't sit down and read a book. But audio books have kind of made my life a hell of a lot easier <laughs> and podcasts. So, mm. um, you know, I've just downloaded uh, Obama's new book, which I'm sure, well, about to, it hasn't come out yet. But as soon as it comes out, I'll be, I'll be listening to that. But Definitely. yeah, I'm listening to Chris Hurst's book at the moment, uh, which I think is fantastic because it's so relevant to, you know, to business and, and obviously from an agency background, I just encourage a lot of people in the in our company to read it. So by the um, way, Chris Hurst's book, you told me about his book when we first tried to record this interview <laughs> and, I, and I went to buy it and I've, I'm halfway through it and it's brilliant. It it's really, good, isn't it? It's so good. Yeah. It's about, I mean, I'll, I'll let you explain it, but 
just being authentic. No, you'll do a better job, Nathan. I really won't. But it's just, <laughs> it's just about being authentic. Like anyone can be a leader. He kind of redefines what leadership is. He talks about the importance of execution and not just like strategy and coming yeah. up with the idea, but it's about getting work done. And yeah. it's just, that kind of just hit me as like a lightning bolt, really. It was, it's kind of yeah, obvious. Yeah, that, 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 that bit about getting stuff done. And, you know, when he went to uh, that interview with that, you know, the old fashioned recruitment company in, in Green Park or right, somewhere. Right. Uh, that made me laugh because yeah. you could, ju- I could just picture that. I could probably even imagine who he yeah, was, yeah, but yeah. you know, you can kind of <laughs> just p- picture that. But yeah, no, I mean, so uh, I think, I think a lot of business books, I, I'll be honest, are kind of, I'm not massively into. I think I'm much more interested about people and their stories. And, you know, so I think, I think what Chris did there is, is, is really good about how he's brought that to life. Mm. Um, so I love, shoe dog as well oh, you know brilliant. i think that's just a brilliant book yeah, i cried uh, i literally it, cried oh it's fantastic yeah. isn't it it's so funny as well though yeah, isn't it yeah. it's kind of it's got everything really um uh, and i mean i think it's very hard to have stories like that again you can definitely create businesses like that again but you stories like that again in terms of what you had to do in the early days and you know was fascinating yeah, so Japan, um, just like yeah yeah but just like waiting story. around for like days for the meetings and stuff you know you just wouldn't do that now would you yeah. but anyway i just thought it's fascinating so you know uh i think anything like that 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 um interests you on a personal level but also helps you develop as well um from a business point of view is is, is definitely worth a uh, a read or a listen in my case <laughs> amazon prime or netflix what are you watching or streaming these days that's good um I don't get a chance to watch loads and loads of telly, but I think I, I, I love all the sports stuff. So I, I love the Amazon stuff that even I'm not a Tottenham fan, but I love the Mourinho all or nothing <laughs> series, the New Zealand one, yeah, the Ashes yeah, yeah. one. Okay. Um, I think, you know, I love sport and I suppose I love the idea of, you know, how you build teams and, mm. um, you know, culture and things. And they're, they're brilliant those. Cause I suppose you, there's a kind of proper fly on the wall. You Definitely. get to see, you get to see, uh, you get to see how difficult it is to manage people in, in football clubs or, or businesses, really. <laughs> Did you see the Michael Jordan one on Netflix? Yeah, The Last Dance. Last I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was very, it was very honest, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, from I think not everyone would say it was honest, but it was. Yeah, and it was, just, it was, yeah, really interesting. Not everyone liked him um, as well after it. I think people no. kind of mythologized him, but then watched that and they were like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I know, but I think if you're in that bubble, it's probably quite hard. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, uh, but actually, you know, if you, someone like Tiger, if you watch him, it's amazing actually what he's been through and like like him or loathe him. I think he's probably now definitely a better person than he was 15 years ago mm. through what he's been through. But uh, mm. uh, What do you do to keep mentally or physically fit? Uh, well, do you know what? It's, it's really interesting. I think the thing I've missed so much in the last eight or nine months is I walk to a lot of my meetings because of where we're based and... And I've really missed that, you know, that thinking time in the morning of walking to work. And, you know, I've been really bad at that. I kind of got in my desk early in the morning now and I just probably don't spend enough time going for a walk, um, you know, around the common or whatever. But so I really missed that mental side of actually in the last day. But normally I love that. I think I have lots of ideas when I'm walking to meetings or thinking about stuff. Uh, I try and spend as much time as I can on the Peloton. Uh, it's quite yeah. fun. I like the whole kind of competitive edge of it in terms of people you're competing against. The Peloton, I did, I tried it for the first time maybe last month, a few weeks ago. 
absolutely love it. I'm definitely getting one for Christmas. It is <laughs> the best thing that I've done in ages. It's brilliant. Well, I, I better have an intense six weeks, now, otherwise you'll be smashing me in a couple of months' time, <laughs> won't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have to share our... Um... No, but I, I just love doing the, the recorded ones as well. I, I'm not sure yeah. how competitive I'm going to be in, in real life with real people. But like doing it where I can kind of cheat and get away with it in a pre-recorded session, um, I'm happy to do that. Um, really interesting. So last couple of questions. In the last three to five years, what ideas, behaviors or habits have you added or removed from your life that have in- improved your outcomes? That's a good question. Uh, I, suppose, I suppose I've been a father for four years. So, well, four and a half years. So I suppose... I suppose my habits and behaviours have been slightly <laughs> dictated to yeah. a definite change in lifestyle at home, really. Mm. Uh, I think that's a really good point. Though. I think, you know, I kind of, I think you, when you do have kids, the perspective of stuff changes a lot and the reason why you're doing stuff changes. And, mm. you know, I suppose the, your, the selfishness goes a lot about, mm. you know, so I think they've hugely changed my perspective and, you know, uh, I'm really grateful, grateful for that. Um, I suppose, you know, it also I, I tried to make a lot more time for people I work with, you know, and try and try and be a lot more open and communicative, you know, communicate to them in terms of where we're trying to go with the business and, and give people opportunity to be part of that, really. So, um, yeah, I, I can't think there's kind of one thing that's really changed, but I think, you know, I've definitely... Um, I, I'm not one of those people that says, right, I need to, this is my goal for this year. I need mm. to do that. Mm. I just think that you kind of constantly need to be, you know, working with people and, and learning from people around you, really. What advice would you give to a recent college university graduate who comes to you and says that they want to start a career in new business or in a new business agency? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, look, I think it's the most amazing place to start your career if you want to end up in agencies or marketing or sales. Because I mean, my dad saying to me when I first took a job in uh, Catapult, he's like, you know, you'll learn so much in a year, much more than you would do in, in so many other different, mm. you know, industries or kind of jobs, really. Mm. Uh, and I, so I, I think the advice would be is just that just take it all in and, and you won't realize it every day about how much you're learning. Um, and so the advice, I think the advice would be just massively embrace it. Um, and you, you know, it's don't, don't feel scared also to kind of ask advice and talk to people around you and senior people and people you get to meet. Cause I think if you are in a new business role, you are definitely going to be dealing with very senior people because new business is the lifeline of any business. Mm. So, you know, embrace that and be realize that you're really fortunate to have that Mm. and be very respectful of the time of those people, but learn from them because, you know, I say, I was saying this to the company the other day is that, you know, we're so fortunate. We've got amazing clients and people to work with, but learn from those. And, And actually everyone loves, everyone wants, most people will, have time for people you know if you build a relationship with them they will you know nice people always make time for people Mm. um so so yeah i think my advice would be is is that don't be scared to kind of you know suck it all up and and don't and don't be so smart to think that you know it all you know it's um, it's i think it's interesting isn't it education and where people come from and 
you know, I look at some of the people that have gone to certain universities that I've worked with and they kind of think they know all the answers or, or, or you know, when they turn up and there's other people that have been have very different backgrounds and they just embrace everything and want to learn, learn, learn. And I, it's not a university thing or a class thing or anything, you know, it's, it's just people, right? But the, the reality is, is that, you, you know, don't, you, don't think you've, you know, all the answers, you know, keep, keep learning from people around you and, and ask, and ask people, mm. um, Great, great, great answer. Love that. And, and my final question, Chris, what does you know about winning new business today and growing a new business agency today that you wish you knew 15 years ago at the beginning of Ingenuity? <laughs> well, I guess I probably wish I knew where technology was going to go. I mean, I think, you know, the power of LinkedIn is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, invest invest in, in LinkedIn stock, right? Yeah, I probably bought LinkedIn stock early on. and But I suppose also just is un- again it's the understanding of that point ryan made really is is that realizing that things just don't happen overnight you know it does take a long time mm. uh and i think the biggest thing is just having that perspective that that knowing that you know i suppose you knew what you knew back then but i think you know understanding the important i think the the biggest thing really i suppose it's not a question about then is 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 realizing the importance of a relationship and building a relationship through not building a relationship just from a business point of view. That's, that's, you know, uh, to, to, that's, that, that, that's not, you know, really important. It, it, it's about building relationships with people over a period of time that you can trust and work with. And in turn, that will probably help you from a business point of view, because that will help, you know, you learn, be connected to new people, they recommend you and stuff. So don't, so, so build relationships with people for the right reason. But invariably, the, the, the more relationships you build, the better relationships you build, the probably the more successful you'll be. Mm. But I think it really depends on you as a personality. You know, that, for, that's what I'm like as a personality, where a lot of people, a lot, some people are a lot more introverted. So I think you just got to understand what's right for you. Um, uh, but I don't know. That's probably not a very good, uh, very good answer. But it's a great place to end. Thank you, <laughs> thank you so much for doing the interview, Chris. Appreciate it. No, not at all, Nathan. I really enjoyed talking to you. So, um, yeah, thank you for making the time. We have been speaking with Chris Kemp. He is currently the owner of Ingenuity. If you enjoyed this conversation, then head over to Apple Podcasts where you can listen to over a hundred conversations we've had now with world class leaders in sales and marketing. Write to me at nathan.agencydealmasters.com. We would be unable to do this show without our very own dealmasters. Ahmed Ahmed is our editor. Christoph Blaschek is our booker slash project manager. Marion Begum is our head of research. I'm Nathan Anibaba. You've been listening to Agency Dealmasters. Masters.